Would you like to attract more clients in 2023? Of course you would. Well, today we're going to talk to a top 1% producer on exactly how she does it. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top New York City agent, Leslie Singer. But before we get to Leslie, just a couple of quick reminders. I am asking for two favors this episode, but they promise they'll only take you a minute uh, total for both. So number one, if you could, whatever podcast app you might be listening to the show right now, if you could leave us a review, that would greatly, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps us continue to improve and also learn what you like. Um, so please do that. We would really appreciate it. And also the second thing is just tell a friend. Think of one other realtor that is struggling right now. And guess what? Most agents are. It's a tough year. Let's help them as much as this podcast is hopefully helping you and send them a link over to our show. So you can send them to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode can be streamed from any browser or if the person you're referring over to us is a podcast listener, just have them pull up any podcast app, search for Keeping It Real and hit that subscribe button. All right, guys, thank you for continuing to listen and support our show. And now on to the main event, my conversation with Leslie Singer. Today on the show, we have Leslie Singer with the Singer team with Brown Harris Stevens in New York City. Let me tell you more about Leslie. Now, Leslie is an award-winning broker and has consistently been one of Brown Harris Stevens' top performers, leading a team that has repeatedly been number one in sales for the firm. She has also earned a reputation as one of the most approachable and loyal representatives in the industry. Leslie's track record of success is a function of her exceptional negotiation skills, tailored marketing solutions, and an innate ability to help clients navigate the complex New York real estate market. Her honors include winning the Real Estate Board of New York Deal of the Year Award, 
also being acknowledged as one of the top women in real estate by New York Real Estate Journal and being recognized as one of the top real estate teams nationwide by the Wall Street Journal. Born and bred in New York City, Leslie's informed, sophisticated sensibilities and her MBA background guide the team in preparing for transitions and transactions, discerning value and return on investment. Now, I want everybody to open up Instagram and TikTok, and I want you to follow Leslie and her team. Um, it's the same uh, username for both. It is Singer Team NY. That's S-I-N-G-E-R. So Singer Team NYC, both Instagram and TikTok. And we will have a link to those in our show notes. You can click on those and follow because Leslie is doing some really, really cool stuff um, and her team on social, especially on TikTok, which she just got into, which we can talk about too. Anyway, Leslie, welcome to the show. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. But now I, all of a sudden I got nervous because those accolades I mean, now I have to live up to them. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of pressure to deliver. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say this at the beginning because yeah. I, 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 since I just, you know, really, I'm so impressed with with what you've done, and I usually leave this to the end, and then I realize not everybody makes it to the end. So before we actually start the the interview, I mean, it's funny. I've been doing this five years. You think it would have occurred to me sooner, but um, I guess better late, better late than never. But if you are an agent in New York City and you are shopping around for maybe a new team, a new firm, um, maybe you think you could be a good asset to Leslie and her team, reach out to them and let ta- have a conversation and maybe you could uh, be a po- possible good fit for uh, for the singer team. So anyway, what? just wanted to throw that out there first. Except now they now they need to listen to see if they actually want to do that. So I think oh, they're going to want to work with you. I assure you, you are a big, big, big deal. And uh, and that's the other thing too is is uh, definitely um you know we're that's why we're so excited to have you on the show. Well, let's. Thank I you. would love to start. So what I don't really know is how you got started because I know you're this big big success now. Um, but everyone starts somewhere, and I would yeah. love to hear yeah. about how and why you got into real estate. Um, so I'll try and make it a shorter story than, but um, it was actually really interesting. My my background is marketing, and I was the vice president of marketing for American Movie Classics. I had the dream job, um, truly a dream job, but I was flying all over the place, and I ended up with these two little kids that like immediately they're 17 months apart and I couldn't be flying around the world and having two little, little ones at home. So um, I really, really, really strategized about what my next steps were. And it was really hard to come to this decision, but I was like, huh, I have a marketing background, very, very strong marketing background. I have an MBA, so I can do board packages, and I love finances. And I grew up in Manhattan. I know it like the back of my hand. And if I were to go into real estate, I wouldn't be traveling. So I took the MBA, and I took the marketing background, my knowledge in Manhattan, and triangulated on real estate. So it was a very thoughtful and strategic decision. Um, for anyone that's starting out. And so that's how I came into the idea of real estate. And it was really, truly for those reasons. And for anyone who's starting in real estate, I talked to a lot of firms when I was thinking about, you know, 
starting my career. And every firm has a very different corporate culture and a very different way of proceeding. And so it was really fascinating. And not only does each firm have a different corporate culture, but even within a firm, certain offices within the same firm even have a different corporate culture. So I interviewed with a lot of different firms. And uh, the other thing I will say is having a mentor when you start is really, really, really important. So um, I met with someone at Brown Harris Stevens. I met with the manager, again, interviewed with a lot of different firms, but came upon some manager at Brown Harris Stevens who said, huh, I got a call. It was someone who was looking for an assistant um, who would bring me on and we would kind of did a handshake, but certain, certain arrangements were made that I would cover all weekends, open houses, just to start and get the mentoring. And we said we would try it for six months and six months turned into 18 years um, on a handshake and everything was just above board. And it was a, you know, again, for me to learn, but within six months, it kind of like became more of a partnership. And I really brought sure. my marketing background to the to the whole process uh, and marketed ourselves, branded ourselves, and it was it was a it's great. So, um, yeah. well, bef before I, yeah. I go I go into uh, yeah. sort of how you got started and and, and with that because I think in particular that marketing background is so incredibly useful for agents when they get well at any point in their career yeah. but certainly when they get started i was going to say with amc um i yeah. <laughs> going back to american movie classics i yeah. always i worship the that the lists i'm thinking of american film institute okay american film classics okay. is different sorry i'm thinking of afi who puts those lists yeah, together yeah. so sorry i was yeah. getting confused but um but yeah american film classes yeah big uh you were amc i'm sorry amc yeah. um Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big, oh God, I love, I love American movie classics uh, as well. Uh, the brand that they've built is impressive. Um, but yeah, no, so, I mean, I was at Time Warner. I was at an ad agency. I mean, I really, I just, I loved what he did, but I have to say I'm equally passionate that I, I get to do. And it's a privilege to get to do what I do every day. And I imagine you get to sort of scratch the creative itch as well, because with you get to be in full control of your branding, your marketing, your, your messaging. Um, so does that sort of satisfy the part of you that loves being creative? And Oh, I, that, but I also have to say every deal and no two deals are alike, and you have to be creative in this industry and think outside the box. A, if you're promoting a property, how to differentiate but also when it comes to a board package um, and someone's financials, and I'm not saying you have to be creative with their financials, but every deal has some sort of creative component of how to make the candidate the strongest possible presentation, et cetera. So um, I, I get creativity and there's a lot of creativity in how I handle my clients, but we can, we can get into that to now or we can get into it later <laughs> let yeah let's jump into it now i'd love to hear about sort of how you approach clients well first actually no let's back up i want to first yeah. find out about attracting clients because even though you've been doing this for a long time now in a really impressive yeah. career um everyone everyone gets started uh with really no clients and so yeah. i'm curious how did you when you first started 18 years ago what were your strategies <laughs> 
Uh, I imagine you had some sort of sphere of influence because you live, but New York is so transient that I don't know how, uh, how, how much that helps. Um, well, but you did I mean, grow up there. So I'm curious. Yeah. So, I mean, interestingly enough, when you're first starting out and yes, it was really important that I had a strong mentor behind me, which could show that there was someone with extreme knowledge and a track record as well. And then honestly, the Brown Harris Stevens brand, um, so those are definitely great things to have in my back pocket, but you don't always want or nor do your friends want to work with a newbie, right? <laughs> well, when they're buying a million dollar home, right. oh, my friend just got or, her license a week ago. Exactly. <laughs> and nor do they always want to show their finances to you, right? That's, so that's I, it, you know, it is, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it yes, is such please. a, it is, that is something that nobody really has ever, we've done 430 episodes and just that little piece that you said about uh, I've had lots of guests say, yeah. well, I didn't want to work with my friends because I was afraid I would screw things up or I was afraid to ask for their business. But the one thing I never thought about was what yeah. you just said, which is, I don't know what my friends earn. I I don't. Right. Um, I've never asked them. I was taught not to ask. Um, right. And, and I was taught that any discussion of that was either considered bra braggadocious or, or being rude. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that's really interesting. So that's a uh -huh. really strong point. So you had these people, but maybe you didn't feel so... Um, uh, comfortable asking for business. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And look, and again, being that I had someone in my, you know, like as a, almost a partnership in the beginning, I could offer that should they want to work with me, not only did they have the knowledge behind and the security of that, but that he could review their finances. But even that like felt it just, you know, I, I understand their, their hesitation, but what I did do is in my little sphere of influence was I actually started like the old fashioned way. And I kind of went to 10 of my really, really good friends. And I asked each of them for 10 names of people that I could contact just to start my own database. So, you know, that's okay. Only a hundred people, but then those 10 people. So almost like, you know, those, what are they like mail chain things that you used to get? Yeah. Um, so that was one thing I did. And I started a newsletter, um, which was something that my mentor had been doing. But there was always a column that was Singer Says. And it yeah. kind of talked about like the New York school system or, you know, uh, those type of things that were New York based, truly New York that showed that you had an insider like, you know, influence on Manhattan. And we would mail the buildings newsletters. Um, and so, oh, we, that's interesting. So you would just you you would just blanket mail blanket blanket yeah. mail. So part of my working at Time Warner was direct marketing. So I was like, let's do direct marketing. Let's do a yeah. newsletter. Let's you know. And people held on to those newsletters. It was pretty great. So that was one a uh, couple of the things. Um, trying to can, think can, I, can I can I can I pause yeah, you for please. a second? I, I'm yeah. I'm going to tell you something that that's yeah. going to. That's not going to surprise you, but also surprise you at the same time, um, because uh, well, so I moved yeah. into a new a new development um, a year and a half ago, and yeah. it's it's a nice building. There's 40 units, a townhome. There's a few townhomes. There's, but but it's 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 a it's a nice building and brand new development. Now, obviously, all of us who have purchased probably not leaving any immediate time soon, but yeah. in a year and a half. So we're talking about sending out mailers, trying to establish yeah, your brand. Yeah. At some point, all of us are probably going to move. It's at some point it's, 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 
it, it would be unlikely that at our building people would live there for 40 or 50 years, although they could, but it's unlikely. So because of the neighborhood that we're in, and it's it's just a, one of those younger neighborhoods, um, not one piece of mail from any realtor really? just saying, hey, you, you know, like, obviously, that would be a long term play. They're probably like, well, if I'm going to start mailing, I'm going to be needing to mail for the next five to seven years. But why not? And and it, what's amazing is not one piece of mail from any realtor in the last year and a half. And I don't think it's because people know that I'm in the business. I just think nobody's thought to do this. So I think even that's kind of a lost art these days. And there's so much opportunity. So I just wanted to I mention agree. that. that yeah. And I think people are, are cutting back on mailing, right? Because we have social media, we have everything else, but it is a really great way to cut through the clutter. And when I do a new listing, I mail the neighborhood because, and I mail the building as well, because people who love your building, like you, you may not be ready to sell, but you, you may know someone who wants to buy there because you, you love the building and they come to visit yeah, you. Yeah, of course. Right? So like, it's just another way to keep yourself top of mind. You, you also said something else and I apologize for like interrupting no. you every few moments, no. but you said no. something that at first I sort of was like, I didn't understand it. And then as you were talking, it made <laughs> sense. And I, and, and this is such a, Please. this is no, no, this is a thing nobody else has said either, which was. So there used to be this old sales technique at the closing table or whether you're selling a car or a house or whatever, the old salesman 101 was like, by the way, I'd like the name of three of your friends. Yeah. Now, that, now, and nobody likes that, right? We all are like, eh, yeah, but what you did was much smarter and definitely works and it isn't uncomfortable, which is you go to your, your friends and you yeah. say, Hey, I'm, I'm starting my business. I'm not obviously, you know, if you know someone who wants to buy or sell, obviously I'd love to talk to them, but I would just love to get to introduce to some of your friends. Yeah. And basically that's what you were asking. And that's just called networking. It's and networking. It's totally I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure that anyone listening, that is a really smart strategy because your friends are the ones that want you to succeed and you're not asking them to like, you know, uh, you're not really asking them for you're much. You're not just asking like, for a sale. You're not asking no, them for, no, no, oh. no. It's just like, who do you think would be really good for me to reach out to and talk oh, to? Or it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And and I know if somebody asked me, I mean, it's, it's such a simple thing, but no, really people don't do this very often. I don't think. Um, if somebody, if one of my friends were to say, I'm starting this XYZ business, whatever it is, hey, could you give me some names of people that might in the future maybe be a candidate for me? I just want to put them on my list or reach out. I wouldn't hesitate. In a, I'd be like, of course I will. Like, no big deal. Yeah. Um, no, but asking a, asking a client at the closing table, that one feels more uncomfortable to me. It is. Um, it's a, yeah. Definitely. I agree. So, I just wanted to honor honor you, you for a couple of those uh, those <laughs> really really the, it's always the small things right like people say things on the show and and all of a sudden like they just kind of go past it because they don't realize how 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 important I think that is and I'll be like oh stop stop you just so you've <laughs> well, done that a several times so I promise to not interrupt as much anymore no but, no uh... I appreciate that <laughs> um, the other thing was I noticed this happened um, when my when my children were in nursery school and we were applying for kindergarten, a lot of my, the parents would talk to me because I grew up in Manhattan about the different schools. And I only went to one or two of them. Right. But they would ask me and I had a general knowledge of the school system. Um, and I was like, huh, 
why don't I give back? And this is in my first year of real estate. Why don't I give back to the community and you know, by hosting seminars about the school system? And so we would, I would have a getting into kindergarten school panel oh. and a getting into nursery school, which is a huge thing in Manhattan. Um, I would have these panel discussions and I would bring in not only parents, but guidance counselors. And yes, they have them for nursery school. Yes, they have them for kindergarten. But it was my way to give back to the community with also the self-serving idea that these people will be making a decision shortly once they know where their child is getting into school as to where they want to live. Um, so then- I, I, I love that. And here in Chicago, uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if, I, you know, I'm not a parent myself, so I don't know if those exist. I have not- I've heard of realtors doing, so you want to buy a condo, so you want to buy a first home. Those those seminars uh, happen. Those are pretty common. Um, I've not heard about school, and that is every new parent's sort of big, one of their biggest issues is where, if especially in a big city, where is my child going to go to school? Where are the safe you know, areas? What are the best uh, you know, you know, academics, et cetera. That's really yeah, smart. So now, now I do it through college because that's kind of as my kids got older and I had more knowledge and we still, we do college seminars as well. Wow. And, and, and I have to say it's fun for me. It shows how old I am, but there are clients that I helped with the nursery that I've also helped with the college. I mean, it's isn't just, that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. All the way through. Yeah. Well, I, my sister and I both went to Miami University out in Ohio, uh, Miami of Ohio, and then my sister ended up in New York City. Um, and they actually have a pretty strong alumni, um, uh, you know, contingency yeah. there in New York, which which is surprising. Whenever I met people in, in, in Ohio that went to Miami uh, that were from New York, I was like, "How did you find out about you know this uh, this this really? Yeah. We should be in Florida. We're in the middle of Ohio right. and." Uh, and uh, yeah, but anyway, um, that's, that is amazing. So, so you still do those, you still do, you're yeah. just, you yeah. go all the way, you still do all the way from nursery school up through college. You know what, we're really, we've been really focused more on the college because again, yeah. you know, it's a life cycle and it's a really nice way to give back. And, you know, eventually people will think about, huh, you know, my home is larger than I need, right. Yeah. As their kids go off to college. So well, and right. just even just even planning for college with five twenty nine plans and and the financial part of it is is so daunting and so scary for new parents um, <laughs> that it's something that that they have to start thinking about pretty much yeah. right away. Yeah, yeah, in um, utero, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in utero, it's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, I, yes, my, my <laughs> one nephew is five. And so he's got some time, but my, um, my sister is all They've already figured it all out. It's already all figured Maybe. out. And I was like, good for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. so, so that, that is a really smart strategy because again, you are giving back, you're contributing, yeah. you're providing value and then, oh, and oh, by the way, I'm also a realtor. So, yeah. um, Oh, well, and, you know, in, in my mind, finding the perfect fit for school is very similar to finding a perfect fit for your family in a building. Mm -hmm. And the application process of a applying for these schools is not that different. Of course, you're not showing all your financials, but you still have an application process for getting into a school. You have an application process for, um, you know, a co-op. So 
there were so many similarities, but again, it wasn't, it was a a nice way for me to give back with a a minor ask, right? So it felt good. And so you bring in, you said you bring in guidance counselors. Do you ever bring in representatives from the schools themselves? I, Um, I have done that and I've done parents. So you have a really, really nice range of people. Wow. Yeah. That is such yeah. a great idea. I love yeah. that. So, um, wow. I think it's oh. really important. I think it's really important to really think about what's authentic and genuine to you um, with whatever you do, because people will, they, they can feel it, they can sense it. And it's really where you're, you're coming from um, the most honest place. And I think it's great for connecting so I would say to anyone starting out, think about what's really authentic and genuine to you um, and follow that. So, that, you know, those, those were places for me that felt that, really good. Yeah, it makes, makes all the sense in the world. I, I also want to go back to this idea of open houses because I yeah. feel like that too is so easily like, yeah, 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 sit open houses, but it's not, it, maybe it doesn't sound very exciting to talk about, but I will oh, yeah. say that almost every guest I've had on, and I only really interview top 1% producers, they all love, and they all started doing open houses for other agents and learning how to talk to uh, clients as they walk in and out, how to, you know, li- understanding how to have conversations about real estate, how to talk to clients, understanding their needs. How important was it for you oh to God. do a lot of those reps, sort of going to the gym almost of open houses? Um, how critical was that for you? So for me, those weekend open houses where I took over our listings and had the open houses, those were really, really, really critical. And I will tell anyone, even if you are representing a property, you should have and know inside and out all the other competitive properties. Because when you get someone at that open house and you say to them, because it's a really critical question, does this work for you? And they say, nah, you know what, this or that. And then you can say, this may not work for you, but how about this? I think you should look at this. May I make an appointment for you? So know your competition and tr- turn that person. If they're if you're not, they're not going to be the buyer for your property. Turn them into a buyer for another property. It's a, it's a art and it's a great opportunity. Um, so yes, those open houses were really, really, really important. The other thing is when other brokers are holding open houses, go to as many open houses as possible and learn the market, whether it's a one bedroom, a studio, a two bedroom, a five bedroom, because inevitably you'll be at a cocktail party and you'll be, oh, you know, oh, you were interested on the, you know, the Upper East Side. I saw this great two bedroom the other day, right? Like it just get to know the market. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I've been doing this so many years and I still go to open houses so I can see what's out there. So, And, and also too, it's great. It, I don't love the word networking because I just feel like that, that I don't even know always what that means. But this idea of going to these broker open houses allows you to interact with other realtors. Oh. And, 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 and there's a real practical reason to do this, even other than just being fun and friendly and nice. And, no, no, and, and no, no. That. You learn the market and you, you earn I the mean, market. You learn the market. You, you know, when I'm talking to other brokers and I'm going to the open house, inevitably there's a discussion of like, 
you know, what are you seeing? You know, how, you know, how are you finding the market? This is what I'm experiencing. And there's also the great discussion of, Hey, I'm bringing this on. Do you know anyone? Or, you know, I, someone doesn't want to list this, but they're thinking about listing it. Would you have any, I mean, there are so many dialogues that are important. Um, Plus just to have your face out there, of course. Well, and I imagine too, like, during the pandemic, for example, when, well, what once, once uh, the, the sort of pandemic was subsiding and, uh, and, and people, you know, the interest rates were so low and everyone was trying to buy, I imagine it doesn't hurt going to an open house, you know, at some point, introducing yourself to the other agent, making nice with them, developing some sort of friendship or relationship, professional friendship with them probably doesn't hurt then when they see out of the 30 offers they just received, when they see a friendly, a a name that they recognize. And like, I know this, this woman, she's awesome. I met her at an open house. She seems great. It probably doesn't hurt at getting a little bit more attention on that, on that offer. Now you're absolutely right about that. Um, I'm working on a transaction right now and the offer was accepted, honestly, probably a good six to eight weeks ago of which we still haven't gone to contract and I represent the purchaser and the broker on the other side is like, thank God it's you. Thank God it's you. I know we're going to get there. Yeah. Because of you. she said, you know, never in my 40 years have I experienced this, but like, you know, so to your point, making, making contact, making connections, just as so someone, when a deal comes together, they have a name and a face and they feel good about it is really, uh, truly important. So. I'm, I'm curious too, because you've been in this industry almost 20 years, you've seen a lot of agents come and go, you've seen as you've been building your your business and your team, what are some of the mistakes that you see agents making as they are trying to build their business? Or, and there's so many mistakes that that agents make. Um, but what we try to do on the show is is help agents avoid some of those pitfalls. Um, so, is there anything that comes to mind? I mean, aside from like not working hard enough, yes, that's usually uh, the main reason I find that that people tend to exit the industry. Um, but it isn't always that. Um, and sometimes people just make you know, decisions that they could have made differently. So is there anything that, that you sort of see agents, you know, any mistakes that agents make that really they, that could be avoided anything that comes to mind? Um, God, I have to think about this for a second mistakes. I think sometimes, um, when you're, you know, young and you're hungry, you want the deal more than you Like, you know, you want it too much and you lose sight of your client and you push for a deal. And I think a lot gets lost there. And your relationships are so important that you can't want the deal more than your own client. And, um, you know, deals are going to come and go and they're going to come together or they're going to fall apart or whatever. But making sure that your client feels really attended to uh, throughout. So really spending that time and not thinking of it as just like a one deal and then you're on to the next because you you build your business by clients referring to you or coming back to you and don't make something like a one trick pony. Yeah. Now that that's really, really good advice. And, and I'm curious too, af, uh, with 
the amount of time and the number of deals that you have done. Um, how important is it to anticipate your client's needs uh, or their mental state? And I don't mean, you know, whether they're sane or insane. I mean, their their anxiety, their, yeah. their fears, their, their joy. The, how critical is it to be able to manage those expectations and those emotions for your clients? Um, because I, I know every time I've purchased a, and sold a property, something always goes wrong. There's always a moment There's where I'm always. like, well, Something's going to, this is all falling apart. This is all going to be a big disaster. And then, uh, then, you know, it, it isn't, but the stress of that is real. And I'm curious about how you help your clients through those difficult, you know, moments of a transaction. Well, so there's, I mean, you bring up a really, really important point, which is a, every deal has a moment. Every yeah. single, every single deal has a moment. Like there, there's, you know, and you never know when it's going to happen, but it's kind of like when it happens, you're like, oh, here it is. And you, you, you work through it. Um, I try to the best of my ability, ability to always handle all those moments without including my client. So right. I try, I take on the stress um, and try and navigate to get to the right answer without having to stress them out and only go to them at those really critical moments that I'm like, I can't do it without, you know, uh, including them. But I do think you spend time with the client up front and, in, you know, just in your dialogue of getting to know them of, is this a life transition, right? So you come into people's lives, whether they're having, getting married, having a baby, um, you know, it's their first time purchase, some are getting divorced, sometimes it's death, sometimes it's an estate sale and getting to know a what their objectives are, but where they are in their life cycle. And um, understanding that will help you navigate with them and listening throughout the entire process. Um, you'll get to sense whether this is someone who makes a really quick decision. This is someone who needs more handholding. This is someone who needs to see 25 properties. They only need to see five, you know? So um, it's a lot of listening and there's a lot of handholding. And there are times when you're a therapist, right? Because you're yeah. dealing with someone's largest asset. Mm -hmm. um, they've exposed everything you know, they've told their life story in a board package. They've shown all their financials. They're extremely anxious. They start envisioning themselves in the property, um, you know, and for whatever their reason is for their transition, that comes to play. So, and they're for the sellers. That's a really emotional time. They may have, they may have, you know, brought up their whole family there and they're selling because they don't need that family home anymore, but it's still emotional, even if they're excited about where they're going it's still emotional or, you know, if it's a death or whatever divorce. Um, so yes, a transitions and getting to know your client, but I really, there are a couple of things I do, which is I try and understand that client really well in the beginning. And I listen, um, but I really respect someone's time. So I try my, if I'm working with a buyer, I try and identify before we even go out, five to 10 properties that I think are going to be a perfect fit. I line those five properties up in a row, get a car and driver. So I only take them out of their day to day for maybe an hour and a half to two hours. 
And then we can kind of have a conversation after that, like what worked, what didn't work. And then I can refine the search that much more, but I'm always sensitive to someone's time. Can I ask about doing showings? This is such a simple question. Everybody does them differently. (laughs) Do you visit the properties before your client? I love previewing. I love to preview a property. Um, A, it allows me to eliminate if I don't think it, if it, it's going to be appropriate. But B, when I get to that property and I think it is the right fit because I previewed it, it not only gives me ability to be comfortable in the showing, but I have a lot of knowledge and I can point out to my client, you know, the things that I know are the you know important priorities for them. So whether it's closet space or whatever it may be, um, I know that that's important to them and I can help highlight it. So I love previewing. So whenever possible preview. Um, in my opinion, yes, it takes extra time, but it's so worth it. And that property that you see that you're previewing may not be right for the client you had in mind, but I promise you somewhere in the next kind of like discussions you're having all of a sudden, and it could be three weeks later and that property hopefully still on the market. You're like, Oh my God, the property that I saw for so-and-so that wasn't right is totally right for someone else. There's, there's no wasted time. It works. I guess, I guess what we're really talking about is learning the inventory. I mean, as simple as it sounds, um, and inventory is of course, always changing, but this idea of being a master of the inventory is really so, so critical. It's not, Hey, I'm gonna go on this journey with you. And we're going to walk into this home together and check it out. It's I'm going to go on the journey first. I'm going to check everything out so that I can bring back. And, and, you know, it's, it's a simple thing, but I don't know that most agents even preview properties. I think they, a lot of them show up with their client and, you know, and, and, and that is um, it's, that's really not the, it, it gets just my opinion, but it's not really the best client experience that way, I believe. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, look, everybody has a different, um, you know, a different way of handling their business. Again, it gives me the confidence walking in that I feel like it is really right. I can show it better, even though I'm not the shower, you know, the listing agent might be the shower. But um, again, it's just, as you said, getting to know the inventory is just so critical. Um, I want to, I want to, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just recently there was a home that I had previewed. I thought it was absolutely like the perfect fit. Brought the couple. The wife looks at me and she's like, oh my God, I love this. I love this. But there was something in the husband's face that I was like, mm-mm. And I came back to her a couple of days later and I said, look, you know, I sent you this listing. Um, and you said you weren't interested in seeing it for the following reasons, but I noticed your husband's reaction and I actually think this will appeal to him more. And she's like, huh, okay, let's go. And that's the one they bought. Yeah. So it's like, just, you know, you have to also be present when you're showing. Yes. You have to pay, pay attention. And it's, it's, it's actually a, a, and so, and that probably being that the, the physical space isn't new to you at that moment yes, because you've already previewed it. You now can focus your attention on their reaction versus what's actually going around yeah, visually. That I you're like, well, look at that. Exactly. That is that is a that's an important tip, 
And so maybe that's even the best reason of all to preview is, is well, there's lots of great reasons. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, learn the it, property. It, it allows you to really be watching. Yeah. Your you, you know, you're so right, because I know for me, any shiny object, you know, captures my attention. Um, and so if I'm walking in somewhere for the first time, I'm I'm looking around and seeing everything visually. Um, and of course, that's what the client is going to be doing. And you're really watching them what instead of, you know, being taken in yourself by everything. And that is, again, it's, it's a simple thing, but not every realtor thinks about that. And that is really, it, we're talking about professionalism, I think, and, and being yeah. professional. And that is, is such, such a great idea. Um, so thank you for, for that. And, um, Another question, I want to just switch gears a little bit because yeah. you were telling me just before we got on, um, <laughs> Leslie, Leslie and I were oh, talking no. about, I, I am so jealous because I live in Chicago and we are the second city. Um, and, uh, and, and New York is, you know, probably the first city. Of, uh, and so I'm, 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 I live in a very wonderful place, but I'm so jealous because New York is such a lovely place. And we were talking about all, all things, New York. I want to pause for a moment to talk about our episode sponsor, our one of my favorite companies out there, Follow Up Boss. Now, after interviewing hundreds of top realtors in the country for this podcast, do you know which CRM is used by more than any other by our guests? Of course, it is Follow Up Boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Do not take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the U.S., uses Follow-Up Boss, and he has built a $1.5 billion business in just six years. Follow-Up Boss integrates with over 250 systems, so you can keep your current tools and lead sources. Also, the best part, they have seven-day-a-week support, so you'll get the help that you need when you need it. And get this, Follow-Up Boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're offering Keeping It Real listeners a 30-day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everyone else. And oh, yeah, no credit card required. So you can try it risk-free, but only if you use this special link. Visit followupboss.com forward slash real. That's followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with follow-up boss. And now back to our episode. Um, but you were telling me that you just recently had some success uh, on social media with TikTok. And, you know, this is really interesting because I've been doing the show for five years and no one's talked TikTok yet. And I'm not, I'm not asking you to, 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 uh, you know, give away any secrets, uh, or, or any, but we are starting to see realtors now embrace TikTok, which is being used of course, by, you know, the, the demographic of TikTok users, are, are skews younger. Um, and so I'm curious on what you're doing there, and what sort of results you're seeing? Because you just had a big success there. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing Instagram, you know, obviously for quite a while now. And I, I have a team that helps and supports me. And I kept saying, think we really need to be on TikTok. Think we really need to be on TikTok. Um, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's new. And I'm like, mm. so I'm, I may even be late to the game because I keep, I was harping on this, but we really only started a couple of weeks ago. Um, and again, I'm doing things that are truly, truly genuine to me and really comfortable for me. Um, usually around the prop, you know, it's around properties. Although, as I mentioned to you, I just happened to do one around hot chocolate because I do 
like to bring in a little bit of lifestyle and like things that are popping up in Manhattan that could be useful tidbits. Um, but I, they're usually centered around a property that I'm promoting and um, just having a ton of fun with it. But like, you know, again, it's really, really new to me. And this one particular video went viral and we have like now 270,000 hits on it. And I'm like, okay. So, and I'll just share with you that my son, who's 25, he's like, Hey mom, my friends are loving you on TikTok. And they say, <laughs> you're so, you're so professional. Hey mom, I didn't even know you were on TikTok. And he goes, I don't have TikTok. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well. <laughs> Hey mom, <laughs> stay out of my friend's TikToks. <laughs> well, I wasn't. They're watching. They're following me. It wasn't like is you know. But isn't that amazing? If you put out good quality content or fun content, entertaining yeah. content, whatever it might be, it it can. You know, we do have uh, ways. You know, we do have the the opportunity now with technology where where things can can spread and. And it's all about value. And so I imagine TikTok is, is in, as well as Instagram is fun for you because with your marketing background, yeah. you get to really project. I am, I'm curious too about um, how you stay in touch with clients in between their, their sales, right? So somebody buys a co-op there, maybe they're going to live there for X number of years. How are you staying in touch with them in between? Yeah. So then that's always a really hard thing because you're really, really busy with your day to day. So yeah. um, I do do a monthly newsletter and sometimes it's not, you know, as frequent, it, sometimes it's more frequent if it's important, but I definitely do a monthly newsletter. Um, I really love my clients. Like I really, really love my clients. So fortunately that means having coffee with them, having a lunch, you know, having a drink, um, and it may not be as, you know, sometimes you can do it more frequently. Everyone's schedule is really, really busy, but your clients sometimes become your really good friends. Sometimes, yeah. you know, and as I said, some are with me forever and repeat business. Um, and then it's little things like just reaching out and um, following up, you know, how are you enjoying your apartment? Love to see it, love to drop by, you know. Um, and then I do every now and then I, I don't do holiday gifts because they get lost in the clutter, but I will pick a different time of year to do a gift and do a mailing of a gift. So, and it could be, you know, years we've did champagne. It's just another way of just saying, you know, thinking of you. Um, and usually for the first year when someone buys from me, uh, they'll get like wine of the month. So each month or depending on who they are, maybe it's flowers each month. So each month there's like a little, and I hand write the notes to them. So each like January would be a different note for me. Like, so, you know, each month for that first year, they're hearing from me. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Um, I also, just because this was, it, it, it's pull back the curtain a little bit about how we book our show. Um, we, we send questions to our guests and I never, ever get to the questions, but there was okay. one, that, one response that you gave that I just thought was so cute. And I really wanted to you to share us this story oh, no. of this year uh, that you were named the mayor uh, by a client. Um, so, so I don't want to give away the, the, uh, the punchline, but do you mind sharing the story? Because this is, this is such a great, great holiday story. 
Well, it just is so, you know, to be the, a mayor of something, right? You should be actually really quite charming. And when a client yeah. appears, says that you're like the mayor, it's like, oh, it should be really, really flattering. Um, but this was a client that um, definitely we, we had identified the Upper East Side, which I know like the back of my hand, know really, really, really well. But he's like, you're the mayor of Nofu. And I'm like, mayor of nofu like what what is nofu and he's like it's the upper east side leslie you're the mayor of nofu and i'm like what is nofu and he said no fun and i'm like oh my god so you're the you're the mayor of the no fun part of new york (laughs) and again it wasn't because i'm not no fun but he was like nervous that the upper east side had this reputation of not being fun and that people always went downtown to have fun um so yes i was i was named the mayor of nofu and i got such a kick out of it that is that is that is amazing um (laughs) so curious how you've seen like for 20 so by the time this will be released it'll be in january we're actually recording it here in december um 2023, you know, you've been you've been through several market cycles. Yeah. You, you were you yeah. went through the the crash of uh, 08, uh, yeah. and does 2023? Do you have any fear about 2023? How are you How are you approaching uh, the new so, year? I mean, not if I, not only have I been through the crash, right, but the pandemic. Um, yes. You know, like, and I did not leave the city. I was here for my clients. I did not leave. And I had clients who would call me during the pandemic and they say, what is happening on West 79th Street? And I'm like, you know what? Let me go over there and I go running over because the Lucerne had given over their hotel, to the home, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, news can, news media can make things sound that much worse. And so boots on the ground. But anyway, um, point being, I've been through so many different cycles that I think you really need to just be confident that people do need to move, right? There are always going to be circumstances. And you need to figure out in any given market what the advantage is. So we had low interest rates and there was a time, a minute moment where the market kind of dropped, right? but only like eight to 10%, even during the pandemic. But if you had the guts to buy, then, you know, that was a brilliant time. So 2023, we're kind of looking at a first half of the year, potentially being difficult, maybe a couple more price increases, but I think, you know, interest rate increases, but I think people have already experienced that and have the knowledge. And we're looking at a really strong second half of the year. That's my Prediction. So if you can work with your clients at a time when the first half of the year, people are nervous, there are opportunities. So that's a great time to negotiate. Um, and there's a great saying, date the rate, marry the home. Yeah. So if someone is you know, nervous about interest rates, you can change your interest rate later. But if you find that home you love and you need to finance, just know that that's a possibility. So um, I think, you know, you just, it has to be business as usual. You have to know your market. You have to know your comps. Um, 
and think about the opportunities because you may in the first half of the year, like find that there are people that are still a little bit nervous and willing to negotiate a bit more. So, yeah, f- there there is negotiation. It happens now. It didn't uh, didn't it happen. Didn't happen. For the last- no, I mean there was you know just a year ago or whatever you ha- could walk around the block and you had to make a decision, right? So, do you have any buyers that are feeling remorse um, that oh gosh, when interest rates were at three percent, I should have pulled the trigger. Um, do, do you have to counsel people through that, you know, um, because again, um, yes. And rates prices were also super inflated. You were competing against many other, uh, buyers and you were going to probably pay more. Um, so I'm just curious on, yeah, on if so you no, had... that's where, that's where you kind of have to, you know, help them understand, uh, that guess, you know, you're getting that property at, you know, a better value. So yes, you may be paying more in your monthly for your mortgage, but that same property a year ago, you wouldn't be able to negotiate on. So there's always, and and that is why kind of the date, the rate is also gives people confidence that, you know what, maybe I can change it later. But historically, we are still at really low interest rates. I know. Like really, and really low. And yes. Really, not, really low. Really, yes. really low. Let's not freak <laughs> out, everybody. We're, um, we're not yeah, double yeah. digits. We're not, no. you know. Exactly. And um, the other thing is New York, you know, not for everyone, but we're a very cash-driven city. So we have a lot of cash deals that have always happened, that will continue to happen bonuses may not be as strong as other years, but bonuses get paid. So, you know, you have to look at Manhattan, look at the concrete things that happen. Um, and our market continues. I, I'm not, I'm not concerned. <laughs> Good. Well, that, I, that is very reassuring to our audience and to me as well, because I have not been in it for 18 years um, and haven't weathered all of the, the cycles and storms that you have. But I'm glad to hear that you are uh, not uh, particularly um, worried about 2023 and that that will help calm. Yeah, there's, there's too much discussion about recession in the first half and then pulling out really fast. So in a V, going right back. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, we'll certainly hope, hope for the best. Um, Leslie, I am so happy that you spent time with us today. Yeah. You are a real treasure. And for anyone out there who is an agent who either has clients who moved to New York City, um, who is, would want to refer business to, and maybe you don't practice in New York, Leslie would love the opportunity to connect with you. Um, of course, many people have uh, you know properties in the New York City area. Um, so if you're an agent in another part of the country and you want to refer business out and get in touch with Leslie, she would love to chat with you. And also if you're an agent in New York city and you're looking to join a really super successful team under Leslie's leadership, um, you might be a good fit for her or they might be a good fit for you. So Leslie, if, if another agent wants to reach out to you, what's the best way that they should do that? I think email is actually really great. So I would say uh, lsinger at bhsusa.com. And I can repeat that. It's lsinger at bhsusa.com. 
And we'll have a link to that in our show notes as well. Leslie is, is a superstar uh, agent in New York City. We are so excited that she spent the last hour here with us. Uh, and we want to thank her on behalf of our audience. So on behalf of the audience, Leslie, we say thank you for spending your thank time. We you. know how busy. Well, and also on behalf that you're welcome. And on behalf of Leslie and myself, we also say thank you to our audience to continue to support and listen to our episodes. Best way that you can help us grow, everyone, is just tell a friend. Think of one other realtor that needs to hear this episode, this conversation with Leslie. Oh my God, she gave like five incredible tips uh, in this episode that can really help transform someone's business. Send them a link to this episode. They need to hear it. People who, everyone is stressed about 2023. Leslie's not. And she explained why, and she gave a lot of great suggestions about how to handle 2023. So send this podcast episode over to another realtor that is struggling right now. And Leslie, thank you so much for being on our show. We are so grateful to have you. And we will see everybody on, oh, and sorry, everybody go follow Leslie as well on Instagram and TikTok, Singer Team NYC, Singer Team NYC, N-I-S-I-N-G-E-R. Um, we will have links to those. They are doing some really cool stuff on social. Definitely check them out. Leslie, it was a, such a pleasure having you on the show. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Oh, 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 oh